Our scripture today is from the first letter uh, that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And I'll be reading in from the first chapter, verses 10 through 13. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? The word of the Lord for the people of God. So I was on a Zoom call last week with some fellow clergy from uh, around the country, and one of the ministers shared this story. She pastors a progressive Presbyterian church in downtown Washington, D.C. And this summer, during the protest for racial justice, they opened their church as a safe space, a place for the marchers to take a break and to get out of the heat. One day, during the protests, a police officer who, just to complicate the story even more, happened to be African-American, came to the church and asked if he could, uh, asked the volunteer at the welcome desk if he could use the bathroom. Not quite sure what to do, she said yes. But when the protesters who had been using the church discovered this, they were furious. They felt like the church had betrayed its promise to offer them safe space. The pastor said she tried to calm the tension, but the whole thing just kind of blew up. The protesters ended up storming out of the church, angry and hurt, and now the church itself is divided over how it should have been handled. On the one hand is the value of creating safety for a group of people whose experience has led them to feel unsafe around law enforcement. On the other, is the value of hospitality and inclusion for all God's people, including the officer. As you hear that story, you probably have your own reaction, like I did, maybe a strong one. Just hold on to that for now. I share it first because as an example of how amazingly complicated our world has gotten and how on edge we all are. I imagine that all of these folks are good-hearted and well-intentioned, the protesters, the police officer, the volunteer at the desk, the pastor, the members of the church, and still, it all blew up. But that's just where we are these days. We're angry and divided and worried and angry and afraid and tired and angry. And who could blame us? We're living through a worldwide health crisis, an environmental crisis, an economic crisis, and a racial crisis, all at the same time. Oh, and we're three weeks from the outcome 
of the most contentious and divisive presidential election most of us can remember. And all of this, of course, is on top of whatever very real challenges we're facing in our own personal lives. It's a lot. And one of the unfortunate outcomes of all of this is that it's making it even more difficult for us to really see and to hear each other in all of our complex humanity. We just can't hold it all. And it would be so much easier if issues were all right or all wrong, and if people were all good or all bad. And so that's just what we've started to do. Increasingly, we don't just disagree with others. We question their motives, their character. We've reduced people to caricatures, oversimplified, exaggerated versions of real people, because it's just too hard. It's too painful to hold all of these conflicting values and perspectives. But what happens when we do that? And I don't think this is hyperbole. We stop seeing people as human. They're just the opposition, the other party, the idiots on the other side. And the great damage this is doing to our democracy aside, what I'm interested in today is the damage it's doing to our mental and our spiritual health. We are not made to hold half of our neighbors in contempt. Spiritually, we are not wired to feel this hatred and mistrust toward each other. It is toxic to our souls. We are angry with each other, of course. But I want to suggest that as the saying goes, beneath the mad, is sad. I think we're deeply saddened by the divide between us. We don't usually think about it that way. We've gotten used to just being angry. But beneath that anger is terrible loss. We want to be in relationship with each other. And at a soul level, I think it's tearing us apart to be so alienated. We were created for relationship. That's a theological claim, by which I do not mean that God created us and then hoped that we would enjoy each other's company. I mean rather that God made us such that we are not whole and we are not healthy unless we are bounded and bonded in human relationship and that we feel a part of the human family. This does not require us to be in agreement with each other or even that we like each other. It means we need to see each other as human. We need to recognize the sacred worth of the other even when, and especially when, we disagree. And not for their sake, but for our own. When Jesus said to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you, I don't think he has in mind the well-being of our enemies so much as the fact that he knows that we need for our own sake to keep seeing people as human even if they do not return that favor. He's naming, I think, a deep spiritual truth that in our deep spiritual bones we love this world and we love humanity. 
And as hard as it is sometimes to see someone as fully human, in the end, it's harder on us not to. Now, our scripture today comes from the opening lines of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. And Paul barely gets past saying hello before he notes the conflict that they are experiencing. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people, he says, that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos. I belong to Biden, or I belong to the Republicans. The community in Corinth is divided along party lines, and Paul appeals to them in the name of Jesus Christ to be in agreement, to have no division among them, to be united in the same mind and the same purpose. His words may at first sound simplistic, but let's assume Paul is not so naive as to think a community should never have a disagreement. And instead, maybe what he means is that amid those disagreements, we must not lose sight of what connects us on a deeper level. Paul was speaking within the church so he could point to Jesus as their common source of strength and unity. But I have to believe that God wishes this for the whole of the human family, too. That while we will, of course, differ in our perspectives and beliefs, and we will necessarily argue and even hurt each other, we must try to preserve the deeper bonds of our common humanity. We must not other each other. But how? How in the world? as divided as we are, do we resist the temptation to oversimplify and demonize and dehumanize each other? Parker Palmer, the educator and author, has a lovely, helpful phrase here. He says that when things get rough, turn to wonder. When things get rough, turn to wonder. By this he means, I think, to ask questions, open, curious questions. How might this person have come to hold the views they hold? What is important to them that I'm not seeing? What might I be doing that is keeping us from being in relationship? Could my own fear be playing a role here? In what ways might I or my political party not be completely right this time? When we wonder about someone, we give them back their humanity. They're no longer a caricature or a label. They become a person again. And to wonder doesn't mean that we have to agree with them. Wondering is just the willingness to create some space, space where something new can come in, space for the possibility that there is more here than we are seeing. I think of the people at that Washington, D.C. church and what might have happened, what could still happen, if they could do the hard work of wondering about each other's experience, if they could wonder what it must have felt like to the protesters to see that officer, 
or what it must have taken for that officer to walk up to that church in the first place? Could they maybe even wonder their way into their own grief? The grief of feeling misunderstood or of wanting to be in relationship, of wanting to do the right thing and not knowing how. Wondering about all of this doesn't solve the problem, I guess, but maybe some problems won't be solved so easily. And maybe there are just too many layers and too many hurts and too much complexity. So maybe sometimes the best we can do is listen to each other and wonder together about each other's experiences. And even when the other side isn't willing to do that, it's still a healing thing for us to do. And it may just be that in doing this, we begin to heal the relationships we've strained and begin to restore the humanity that we've taken from each other. And maybe sometimes we'll find that that really was the problem all along. Amen. Oh,